You're listening to the Ask Drone You podcast. You ask, we answer your drone questions. Whether you're here to turn your passion into profit or you simply fly for fun, we're a community of learners and teachers who aspire to achieve greatness. We are Drone You. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another interesting episode of Ask Drone You. As always, my name is Paul. We have a very special guest today. He is the founder and CEO of Lucid Drone Technologies, a drone manufacturer that you might not have heard of just yet. And what they're doing is really making waves in the industry from the drones that they offer to clean all the way to their concepts moving into smart cities. This is one company you might want to pay attention to in the years to come. Joining me today is Mr. Andrew Asher. Andrew, thank you again for uh, joining me on the show today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, I'm really excited. I know a lot of people want to learn more about your company as we've been talking about Lucid for a while. And that reel on Instagram of cleaning a stadium really, uh, really got some attention. So tell us, what is Lucid Drone Technologies and where do you guys focus? Yeah, so the high level of what we're focused on is we're building robots that do labor intensive jobs, starting with drones that can clean buildings. So our drones are capable of washing anything from windows to roofs and nearly every surface in between. Rather than cleaning companies sending their workers up on lifts, ladders, scaffolds, you name it, with our drone, we can relocate those workers to the ground so they can do the same job in less time and with less liability. So I think one big question a lot of people may be asking is, are you trying to replace uh, the people who climb down buildings and wash windows or uh, anyone that's working in this type of maintenance? Uh, will this drone replace those people or will it simply augment their job? It's a great question. For us, we think of it as something that's additive and transformational. So our model is to go to these cleaning companies and integrate the drone with their existing workforce. So we'll train their existing employees on how to operate the technology and really reskill them with a better tool in their toolkit. And what this new tool does for them is it takes away a lot of the worst parts of the job. So I don't know if you've ever been 100 feet above ground on a lift or a scaffolding platform, but it is terrifying, it is humbling. And uh, one thing I think about in those positions is I'm always going to lose gravity. I'm not better than it. It will always be better than me. And also spraying cleaning solutions when you're in close proximity to it, it's very unenjoyable. So we can get those workers further removed from the actual spray application and mitigate that health hazard as well. Now, I know you have a very personal, uh, relatable reason as to why you are working in the cleaning industry. I mean, we know just a few weeks ago that uh, some workers cleaning buildings in New York fell off of their scaffold and and died. So we know that this drone can really be life-saving and many people may not think of it, but it can also reduce workforce injuries, things like chemical burns. And am I right in remembering that you yourself have experienced this chemical burn and is part of the reason why you developed this company? I, I have, and I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Uh, there are two stories to tell here. The first is how we got started. And really, we almost began by accident, and this problem more so found us. Um, one day while in Charlotte, we saw these window washers hanging off the side of a building. 
and it was a decently windy day. This platform is slamming against the side of the building. You see these two workers up there, white knuckling the rails, like literally hanging on for dear life. And I didn't think it was that profound of a thought, right? Anybody watching this thing probably thought something similar. And it's why don't we leverage technology to make this job safer, to make it more efficient? We just became obsessed with wanting to solve that problem. And early on in solving that problem, we knew we had to demonstrate that drone cleaning could work and work well. So I cleaned every type of property you can imagine, anything from like residential roofs to hotels, college campuses, you name it. Um, On one unforgettable project, there was a leak in a hose or something, and I was cleaning this building by hand because, again, I wanted to learn the pain points. And that was all too literal in this circumstance. There ended up being a slight leak in the hose. I got some cleaning solution on myself. I got pretty badly burned, and I would not wish that chemical burn pain on my worst enemy. So I uh, much prefer personally to do the cleaning with a drone, and I'm very happy to see so many of our customers doing the same. So your drone, for those people who don't know, is a large hexacopter platform with a remote-controlled sprayer unit and a nozzle connected to the drone. So you actually have a hose going from the drone itself down into a pump that's sending that material up through the drone and then onto the building. Would you say that's a good kind of synopsis of the vehicle you guys have created? You explained it perfectly. Like in simple terms, you connect a hose to a drone and it sprays the liquid on a building. There are a lot more technical intricacies mixed in there as you and I have talked a lot about, but high level, that's what it looks like. So how did you guys get started? Was this like a evolution out of COVID and the necessity to clean everything or or how did this all get started? Yeah, it, it really goes back to that scene of seeing these window washers in this dangerous position and wanting to solve that problem. But I think what really enforced it was a couple things. Um, While we wanted to solve that problem, we were equally excited by the opportunity. What a lot of people don't realize is commercial real estate is one of the largest asset classes out there. Globally, it's worth over $33 trillion. And what anybody in real estate will tell you is that to retain the value of a property, you need to take care of it. You got to clean it, maintain it, you name it. But right now we're relying on these really antiquated, dangerous ways to clean a building by sending those workers up on these lifts, ladders, scaffolds, and so on. So we wanted to design the better mousetrap there. Well, I think you guys have definitely done uh, a good job at that, to be honest with you. Your, Your drones, do they just work for cleaning Are there other applications and and where do you see this evolving to? So the first answer is yes, there are other applications. I'll acknowledge we were were very focused on cleaning. Again, it's this massive market opportunity and it will be a long time before we saturate that opportunity. But I'd be lying if I said we didn't frequently daydream about what comes next. You know, for us internally, when we look at the technology that we've developed, we really don't think of it as a cleaning drone. What we're focused on is building this intelligent industrial robotic platform that today just so happens to fly, it just so happens to clean. But what we wanna be able to do is 
keep this very modular, versatile framework so we can easily add different payloads, or we like to call them top hats, to these drones, to these robots to do different types of service applications. Today, it's cleaning. During the height of the pandemic, we did disinfecting. Um, we've done a proof of concept test with painting. We've had customers use our drones for de-icing. We've done some post-construction cleaning. Really, today, our drone is capable of spraying any liquid solution you want. It could be water, cleaning chemicals. It, Paul, if you wanted to put Pepsi in the drone, you could put Pepsi in the drone. I don't know why you would outside of a cool trick at a block party, but you could do it. It reminds me of an old uh, Instagram video where drones were flying champagne bottles into like a super crowded area and it's like hey well you know if you really want the full experience let's go with uh, champagne showers <laughs> so it, funny enough you say that because um we do a little bit of work with colleges some college facility teams are like hey we've got a lot of buildings to maintain and jokingly uh, a member of a college once said you know i think you've got a really big market with fraternities and i was like oh cleaning fraternity houses or what are you getting at He's like, no, think about it. You could hook this drone up to a keg. It would be the coolest party trick these fraternities have ever seen. And I was like, huh, that's a market opportunity I never thought about exploring, but maybe it exists. Yeah, that that is uh, that is interesting to say the least. So, so at Lucid, you guys have the C1 drone, which uh, we're very familiar with here at Drone U. We'll get into more of that later, but. Do you guys see yourselves building, you know, you say a robotic platform to take care of labor intensive projects? And we know that the way that our infrastructure is in this country, that you might have a lot of opportunities for this this particular drone, Um, not just cleaning, but things like. Uh, you know, rusty bolts and and doing something to mitigate the aging of that infrastructure. Um, you know, there really are a lot of opportunities, not just for the infrastructure, but where the infrastructure is going, right? We talk about smart cities all the time, like we did in the intro, and these smart cities are essentially supposed to create more autonomous environments to increase productivity and increase the experience of working living and playing. So with your C1 drone, and I know I keep asking you multi-part questions, so uh, apologies, just excited for you guys. Um, But where do you see your drone fitting in the smart city space? And then what do you believe are going to be the biggest value adds for your drone kind of uh, with infrastructure and the, the evolution of smart cities as a whole? Great question or questions I should say. Um, where I want to start this answer is maybe zooming out and talking about drones in general. I think uh, the way most people know of drones today outside of the military is they tend to think of them as a way to collect data from the world around them. You know, here I am, I've got a drone, typically with a camera, and it's going to take great pictures and videos, and then I'll derive some type of insight from the pictures and videos that it collects. And that's a, a great application for drones. But what we recognize at Lucid is the much larger market opportunity is in building technology that physically affects the world around it and does the work order and does the productive task, like, say, cleaning the building. So when we fast forward the clock and think about 
how does this evolve? How do smart cities continue to grow and develop? We really see drones and robots being an integral part of that picture. So if you were to imagine the ideal smart city with our technology, you'd have this integrated system on the building that's capable of cleaning the buildings autonomously at really whatever interval you want. What we often hear from property managers is, hey, you know, we'll get our commercial building clean twice a year because that's what they've got the budget for. It's time intensive. It's cost intensive. But imagine if you're working in a high-end office building or you're living in an apartment. If somebody comes and cleans your windows, the very next day a bird may come and poop on the window and all of a sudden you're staring at that bird poop for five and a half plus months. And we, we hear these stories all the time, but imagine, Paul, if you just pull up your phone on an app and you click a button and the Lucid drone comes down and cleans your window, like it, that's the type of world we envision, but this platform would be multidimensional and it could do so much more than just cleaning. It could actually do other maintenance requests. Like it could collect data from the building to understand I've got to recock this window or I've got heat loss in this part of the building because as a, a property owner, you know, water intrusion is the worst thing there could be. And you can often use sensors on a drone to understand when you're going to have, say, sources of water intrusion. So by integrating these platforms on buildings, we can really create much smarter, healthier, cost-effective and efficient buildings for the foreseeable future. So that's really the the world we envision where these platforms become a part of a building and a really essential part of it too, where not only is it collecting data, but it's performing the work associated with that data as well. Well, and I think that's a that I think that's a huge step because we've seen this evolution of drones in providing better and better data analytics to understand the world around us, uh, like you very eloquently said. But you're taking that a step further. You're saying, okay, we can interpret, we can see when there are issues, but now we can actually solve those problems. We don't need to have like a multivariate plan of doing it. This is fly, interpret, act right now. Exactly. And when you think about it too, from a property owner or property manager's perspective, one of their biggest headaches is managing a like a diverse array of vendors. And by being able to consolidate that into a, a platform, a piece of technology to manage, you're then able to provide a much better experience for the the kind of end customer in this case, the tenants of that property. Yeah, no, that's uh, honestly, I think it's really cool. Um, now, Andrew, a lot of people don't know that you are a graduate of the Y Combinator and I have to say, from the outside looking in, you have created a company and scaled it very quickly. Um, you have grown very quickly, and I think it's honestly phenomenal. Uh, and many people might think you're young. Uh, they might make assumptions, and I will say don't judge a book by its cover because there are many things I've learned uh, from Andrew and uh, many, many, many things. So. That said, with Y Combinator, you know, I think a lot of pilots are interested in what do you believe are the most important aspects to really scale a company from being small to medium sized to kind of full scale? Because 
if I understand it, you have a fairly sizable team, right? Yeah. Well, I'll start off by saying thank you for the kind words. I appreciate it. Um, I absolutely love what I do and I could geek out over entrepreneurship and thoughts on growth strategy for a while. So I really appreciate this question. Um, for those who may not know why Combinator is an accelerator program for startups and what they do is they give you some good education around best practices to, to start your company, scale your company, but they also provide you with a really valuable network of other people going through the same process. So we're really fortunate, you know, um, some of the biggest startups in the world have gone through this program, like Airbnb, DoorDash, Stripe, just to name a few. So we're, we're honored to be included in the list of alumni. When I think about the most impactful things that have helped our company in the earliest stages of our journey, we have a thing we kind of preach internally. We call it people, process, product. Like those are the three things we obsess over. And from the outside looking in, early on, we used to have people say, wow, this is such a great idea. It's going to be a great business. And I, I've grown to really dislike that because I don't think it's great ideas that build great businesses. I think it's great people that build great businesses. And one of my biggest learning lessons going from, you know, at one point I was the only person working on this full time to now we're a team of about 20. So it's been fun to watch that growth. But with each step and each team member we've added, we've really seen kind of a stepwise function in productivity. And it's because we're, we're building a really great team of people that share a, a core set of values and believe in the vision and mission of what we're doing as a company. So getting the right people on your team, I think is the, the number one biggest factor because if you wanna to start to grow, you have to quickly realize you can't do it all. Um, I have many shortcomings. I am far from perfect. And the best thing I've ever done is understand where are the areas I'm not great, but we need to be great as a business in, and then hiring for those key roles with people who love it and excel at it. I know, Paul, you, you've met some members of our team, so you, you've gotten to understand this, but our COO, Scott Wiley, he's a, a great testament of this. I like to joke we met in college. He's twice my age, though, so he doesn't like the joke quite as much. Um, but it, we're kind of yin and yang to one another. And it's perfect because we have complementary skill sets, point of views, and we help really push each other and grow in our decision making. And we've done that, you know, expansively as a team with everyone we bring on. So not to drone on, pun intended, on people. I, I do think that's such a crucial element to get right. And as a, a startup, you have to overcome so many challenges. Like it is not an easy path. And I admire each and every entrepreneur out there that goes on it. But you need a team of people that want to pull the wagon rather than walk, ride in the wagon. And in corporate America, you've got a lot more people that like to ride in a wagon than pull it. So uh, it takes a certain amount of effort and force to to want to join a startup and, and be a part of that. Um, maybe I'll pause there and I can continue, but wanted to see if you had any thoughts or questions off that. Well, I, I think one of the things I've learned from you is that the best way to scale is by finding really good people. And I think managing people is probably the hardest thing to learn, uh, especially as a younger entrepreneur. 
And I see so many people have issues with delegation, trust, micromanaging, etc. And the reason I'm glad you brought up your team, because I do think that you have an extremely robust team from your manufacturing, which you have solved problems that major corporations have been unable to solve. Uh, you guys have been able to literally um, take flight, build a product, rapidly redevelop said product. I mean, it, it's, it's really impressive. And you go about drone product evolution much differently than many of the drones that we're familiar with. You know, I would argue a lot of companies kind of put out a product, beta test it on their customers, and then come out with a new product. And I feel like very few manufacturers really listen uh, to their clients and rapidly develop new, better products that are easier to use, they're more efficient, etc. And I've watched you go through multiple versions of your birds in a very rapid timeline. And I know the way that you kind of think about production development is, well, I would call it unique, but also very intelligent. And with your team, I think that you have been able to really do what others haven't done, which is, again, rapidly develop, put out new versions of the bird, but also solve these supply chain issues. So when it comes to your drones, I mean, other than just a compliment of saying, well done, I mean, how... How were you able to really do that? Because I think that there are other CEOs that are going to watch this and say, how did this kid figure out how to design and build an aircraft in the United States and sell it at scale and then rapidly develop said product and, and come out with a new version, you know? And uh, so I guess that's my question other than saying like what you have done is, is phenomenal. Well, th thanks again. I probably have to buy you lunch for all these these kind words you're saying. I really do appreciate them. Um, you know, at the core of the success of our product to date, it's really just listening to customers and understanding what they want. Where I've seen other drone companies struggle and really just technology companies in general is, you know, to develop a product, you often have a, a team of engineers working on different features and functions. And it's like a natural human instinct. We want to work on the things that are cool and exciting and shiny. But sometimes the greatest value is in the dull things, right? Like to give a drone example, having a, an excellent battery fail-safe mechanism for your drone. It's not that you know, eye-catching of a feature, but it is invaluable for you as a pilot, you know, to have that trust and confidence. And even if you're off being a knucklehead, not paying attention to your battery, having layers of redundancy that protect your bird and make sure you land safely. Like that's a really important feature to get right. But is it as attractive as complete autonomy as the push of a button? No. So it, what we've done that's unique is we've really focused on function and we care about delivering that value to our customers and understanding what are your pain points and how can we solve them as quickly as possible. Sure, we want to do the full-scale autonomy. We want to keep adding the, the cool, shiny sensors and making these drones more and more intelligent. But at the end of the day, our, our customers want to be able to you know, fly at heights, spray liquid solutions, and fly in urban environments and do it daily with repeatability. And 
that's where the magic has been made for us by just focusing on the simple things that our customers care about. So that would be my advice to everyone is talk to your customers or your prospective customers if you haven't gotten started yet and understand the pain points they have and how you're solving them. And I think that's true for any part of your business. I know sometimes sales gets this really bad rap, but I think you're always selling regardless of the role you're in. But like the traditional sales function, you're actually helping your customer. Like we'll tell customers all the time if we don't think they're a good fit for our technology based off their business and the way it's set up. Um, and, and I'm happy to make that recommendation to them. Like I only want people to integrate our technology if it's going to help them more less liability. So unless our drone is going to be that positive impact for your business, you know, it's, it's not for you. But by listening to you as a customer, I understand what you need and whether or not we solve it. And then once you have our drone, I want to keep listening to you to know how can we continue to provide more and more value with our technology. Well, and this brings up an important question, Andrew. I know that the drone right now is really focused on cleaning so does that mean that your audience is really cleaning companies? Are you guys working with other drone service providers to fly these drones for other companies? I mean, help us understand the audience and maybe potential opportunities for other pilots. Sure. So the answer is we've worked with just about every customer you could imagine. A lot of our focus has been on traditional cleaning companies that know this space well they know how to sell to buildings, and now all they're doing is integrating the drone as, again, the new shiny tool in their toolkit. But at the same time, we've also worked with universities. We've worked with entrepreneurs that want a high cash flow business. We've worked with people that own a drone services company, and now they're integrating our cleaning drone as another piece of technology in their fleet. So it really, for us, we can work with just about anyone. I often tell this story, we've made this technology very easy. It's simple to fly because I think oftentimes people look at drones and think they're foreign and you need an engineering degree to fly them. And we never wanted that to be the case with our drone. I've taught my 85-year-old grandmother how to fly the drone. So I, I promise anyone can learn to fly it. And that's really what we've always wanted to focus on is simplicity because we believe it's simplicity that scales. And that's kind of at the core of our product development is just trying to stay simple. Yeah, no, I, I like that old Einstein theory. Um, now, one of the things that has just come to mind uh, as something to bring up is the environment that you're flying in. So your birds are typically flying in dense urban environments. I mean, I know, you know, for people who have been listening to the show for quite a long time, I'll never forget the story of when we were flying in downtown Albuquerque and we were doing a video for the news on this charity event that was going on, which was essentially for special education students who were trying to overcome their fears by rappelling down the side of this tall building, right? And for experienced drone pilots, you know that if you fly between two tall buildings, chances are you're going to get a GPS error. Chances are the, the drone is going to drift into the building because that's where the error is emanating from as that signal bounces. 
And I'll never forget the uh, the sheriff's office crashing a drone in between the two students that were going down the building because of this exact issue. Now, your drones are operating in a very similar environment. And I think a lot of people might be interested in the advanced methodologies that you guys have created, which are honestly stunning. And so for our geospatial friends out there, many of you are familiar with kind of the idea of having a base station and a rover. Well, imagine if you had that on the drone itself so that you're utilizing these two pieces of equipment to essentially showcase deviation and direction and motion as a whole. I mean, how hard was it for you guys to figure out the solution to this problem? Because it's a pretty phenomenal solution in GPS. I mean, you could literally eliminate one of the biggest errors that pilots have. Yeah, so th this is really one of the most impactful things we've had to solve for. Because again, traditional drone applications, you don't run into the same challenges we do. Most drones that are used for roof inspection or mapping land, you're flying in these open sky environments where you've got amazing satellite coverage. You don't have any sources of interference. I'm glad you asked this question because I'm a bit of a nerd. So I'll talk a little bit techie. I'll try to keep it high level though. Um, a cleaning drone is a really difficult technical challenge to overcome for a variety of reasons. One of the first ones is the fact that we're flying with a hose attached. So the weight of the drone when it's 10 feet off the ground versus 80 feet off the ground is drastically different. And that variable payload is something we had to spend a lot of time working on with our flight controller and making sure the drone was tuned appropriately to fly under the presence of variable strain. Um, the next big challenge is we're also spraying liquid solutions and some drones don't like to get wet. So we've had to figure out how do we really industrialize this and make it so that not only could it withstand water, but it could withstand the exposure to the variety of solutions our customers would use day to day. But then the big one that you brought up is how do you fly in urban environments? One of the biggest shortcomings of a lot of drones are the sensors they use and the fact that they don't really like flying in urban environments or near built structures. I don't want to go too deep here, but to stay on the surface level, I'll talk about one in particular. As many people know, a lot of drones use compasses. Compasses do not like sources of electromagnetic interference. And a lot of buildings have high voltage systems, they're steel reinforced concrete, you name it. So uh, when you're flying in between buildings or near these structures that have those, you can bias your flight controller and the drone essentially loses where it is and it leads to pretty ugly flight behavior. So a lot of what we focused on at Lucid is What's the appropriate array of sensors and the fusion of those sensors with layers of redundancy so that our drone can self-optimize and pick what is my best sensor data input currently to make sure I'm maintaining smooth navigation and the pilot can easily control it? Yeah, I think you hit an important part there, which is the fusion of the technologies. It's not oftentimes what sensors you use but rather how they are used. And I think that that's something that I, I really feel like you guys have figured out an engineering uh, feat 
that not even the largest drone manufacturers in the world have figured out. And I think it's really cool. Thank you. We, we think it's pretty cool too. So let me ask you this, you know, we've talked about the future of Lucid. We've talked about your company. We've talked about the team. Um, we've kind of talked about, um, you know, the things that you're working on and how your drone differentiates from other aircraft. I guess one of my other questions is what has been one of the biggest pain points in starting your company, running your company and kind of scaling your company? Huh, it's a great question. And I think there are a lot of examples. Um, the business one is early on, the technology was really challenging. So trying to remain optimistic and fight through those early technical challenges to get to a functional product. It took us years of development and thousands and thousands of flight hours and trials and iterations. Uh, and it was an incredibly humbling process with some high highs, but also very low lows. And you see a lot of companies, they lose their wind during this time. So uh, just the conviction of knowing what we were building was an inevitable version of the future. Like whether it was us or someone else, drones, robots, you name it, they're going to be doing the cleaning of these buildings and other related applications. And we saw that so clearly years ago that we wanted to be the first to market and we want to be the big player in this space. So I, I'd say that was the largest challenge we had to overcome early on. Um, one of the personal challenges I've had to overcome, and we talked a bit about it, but what I recognized early on is this isn't something you can do on your own. You do need a team of great people. And the fundamental insight I've had into that is the best way to scale a company is to really scale myself. So I've always tried to be very mindful of what are my own limitations and how can I continue to improve in my own role by being a better manager for my coworkers, by setting a clear vision and list of priorities for everybody to operate on. And I'm starting to see that come to fruition uh, to maybe segue a bit into an anecdote here. Recently, I, I don't know, I was at an offsite meeting and uh, one of our engineers called me because he was trying to support a customer and, and he didn't get a hold of me. And then later on, I'm following up with him on his decision making and how he went about supporting this customer. And he solved it flawlessly, like exactly what I would have recommended. And I couldn't have been more proud of him. And I asked him, how would you make the decision? He's like, well, I, I thought about all the different things we could have done. And then I thought back to one of your company, I should say our company's core values, which is we're customer driven. And for us, we define that as we win when our customer wins. And he was like, I heard you in my head saying, we win when our customer wins. And I thought, how does our customer win in this scenario? And I went ahead with the decision that best supported that. So um, it, it's just the little things like that, but Early on, when you're a team of one, you don't always see and recognize how important having values, having a vision and mission can be because it really does set the foundation for your company in terms of strategy, but also the culture for everybody that joins that family. Yeah, man, that's uh, some powerful, powerful information there. Uh, I think even we can learn a, uh, a lot on that. Because providing that foundation of why, I think, sets the right expectations kind of throughout, which I, uh, I really love. So 
Um, Andrew, I know there's a lot of other things that we want to talk about, and I think we're just going to have to have you on again because talking about some of these other opportunities of Lucid and how you solve problems, things like painting, things like uh, roofing, for example, and laying down those malleable uh, roofing materials and whatnot, there are so many problems that you guys solve that I don't think it does justice to just do one show. I think we should do another show with you because I also want to talk about how we have teamed up together to help scale the training aspect because, you know, your company as a drone company that has a learning curve, whatever that learning curve is, is going to have difficulty in scaling because there's only so many trainers you can have, especially when you're trying to build up a customer base of thousands instead of hundreds. I think that's another thing that we should talk about. But Andrew, I just want to say thank you for coming on the show today. Um, If pilots want to learn more about you, maybe they want to get connected with you. Uh, Maybe they want to fly some of your drones for clients. What is the best way for them to connect with you? Yeah, so we're Lucid Drone Tech on everything. LucidDroneTech.com. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, you name it. And you can reach out through our website. We're always looking to connect with pilots, looking to connect with people interested in what we're doing. And we've got a great team here that will take care of you and uh, we'll welcome as many as possible onto this journey. Well, thank you very much for your time today, buddy. I really do appreciate it. And I have to say, uh, I think a lot of drone pilots should be looking at your company. They should be paying attention. I mean, even, even tech entrepreneurs as well, because the speed at which you have developed this is frankly, um, it's amazing. I mean, you've overcome problems, insurmountable problems at scale. So uh, everyone check them out, Lucid Drone Technologies. Andrew, thank you again for joining me. I do appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, that's going to do it for us, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us. As always, you got to check out Lucid Drone Technologies. I know they're looking for pilots, too, to help out. They've got a lot of clients right now, and there are a lot of buildings to clean. So make sure you check them out. You're not going to want to miss the evolution of that company. I really believe this is going to be one of the biggest drone companies to evolve out of the pandemic. We've really seen a monumental shift in the last few years, and these guys are coming out on top. So make sure to pay attention to them. But that's going to do it for our show today. Thanks again for joining me. If you have a question, ask DroneU.com. And thanks again for watching. We'll see you next time. We believe that videos, images, words, and sounds have the absolute power to inform, inspire, and entertain. We reject indecision, confusion, and vanity they work against the community. We are united under the virtues of safety and knowledge. We are a training community of learners and teachers who encourage and energize each other to achieve greatness. We are pilots, videographers, photographers, freelancers, business owners, enthusiasts, experts, and apprentices. We are creators. We are the Drone Youth.